Welcome to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. It's great to be back with all of our listeners again today. We're thankful to have the ability to help people who want to tune in and get into God's Word and study and learn more. We're thankful to have the ability, the means, and the opportunity to do that. And we're thankful that you're there and that you want to learn. We do pray that as we come together each day on Search the Scriptures, that your knowledge of God's Word is growing deeper and stronger and more accurate, and that your faith is growing, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We want to encourage you, if you're in the Omaha area, to come and study with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And our Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday morning, 10.30 at, uh, for worship, Sunday evening, 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study, and then on Wednesday evenings, good time, middle of the week, stop in our busy schedules, kind of get our spiritual batteries recharged. Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. Come get to know us. Let us get to know you. Check us out in person. Many have done that, and many have stayed on. Now, we encourage you to tell others about the program, Search the Scriptures. Encourage them to listen. We know that many people, they can't fit into their busy schedules, the exact times when the programs air over the radio waves, but there is an alternative. You can go to our website and tell everybody else to do so as well. Go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the email, I'm sorry, click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. So it's free. It always will be free. There will never be a charge to sign up for a podcasting. And when you do that, or any of your friends or any of your family members or anyone you tell, when they do that, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or whatever else they choose, they will receive Search the Scriptures Monday through Friday, every single time. It'll be automatic but they'll also receive a lot more Bible study uh, instruction. They're, 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 they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, only about 13 minutes each day. So we can usually fit that into our busy schedules pretty easily, maybe driving to work, coming home from work, chores around the house, take a little break, seven days a week. Today's Bible class, again, only about 13 minutes each day, but it keeps us in God's Word, and again, that really helps us to stay strong and grow stronger in our faith. So tell everybody you can, churchofchrist.com. We're going to get back into our study and our line of thought talking about the law, the scientific law of cause and effect. Now, this is a universally accepted scientific law by the science community all across the board. They understand for every effect, there has to be a cause greater than the effect. The cause brings the effect to be, brings it about. Now, what we've been looking at is how atheists 
within the scientific community try to explain away that law, basically, by saying, first, they don't believe in God, so they don't believe God is the creator, but they got to explain how the universe came into being, how life in this world came into being somehow, so they've come up with what's called the Big Bang Theory, because they recognize, in fact, astronomy and physics have shown without any reasonable doubt that our universe had a beginning. And so if you don't believe in God as the creator, you've got to come up with something. So they've come up with the Big Bang Theory, as it's called. And they believe that somewhere way back in time, about 13.7 billion years ago, suddenly out of nowhere, out of nothing, I'm not exaggerating now, this is, this is their writing. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden there was something. Now, they can't explain exactly what that something was. They call it a singularity, but you could call it anything you want to because they don't know really what it was. It was not there, and then all of a sudden it appeared. It was there. came from nothing. And so they say that was infinitesimally small. In other words, you couldn't see it with the naked eye. It was that tiny. Maybe if you had a powerful enough microscope, maybe you could see it. And it was infinitely hot, infinitely dense, and then for some reason, it, I guess you would say, exploded and then expanded. And everything we see in the universe, all the planets, all the stars, all the moons, everything in the universe came from that little tiny lump of matter that was so small that you couldn't even see it with the naked eye. Now that's the Big Bang Theory. And so where did that, what was that little ball of matter they call a singularity? Again, they'll say, we don't know. Where did it come from? It wasn't there. They'll say, we know it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden it was there. Well, where'd it come from? Don't know. Why did it come? Come. Don't know. Why did it do what they say it did? Exploded and then expanded and created the universe. They don't, they don't know. Well, you see, you have to come up with something if you don't believe in God. The law of cause and effect, again, a universally accepted scientific law, says there has to be a cause for every effect. The universe is the effect. What's the cause? Well, if you discount God, if you're so prejudiced against belief in God that you absolutely will not accept that God was the creator, well, then you have to come up with something, however absurd it might be. And that is exactly what the Big Bang Theory is, absurdity. In fact, I call it science fiction. God is the only logical answer as to the cause and the creation, or rather, and the universe is his effect, is his creation. That's the effect. Well, we've spent some time digging into that. We've looked at how the Bible continually declares and identifies God as the creator of the universe, this world, and all life thereon. Let's, let's look a little bit deeper, though, as to God in relation to the scientific law of cause and effect. And again, science is not anti-God, not true science. It's not anti-God. God created science, how we understand it. But there are some people in the science community who are atheists or agnostics or skeptics, and they don't believe in God. So they have to come up with something to explain what we see all around us. Well, 
without God, there is, as the cause, there is no explanation, no reasonable explanation, no rational, logical explanation for the effect, which is the universe. Without God, there is also no rational explanation for life in this world. Again, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but also in verses 26 and 27, after God had created everything else, we see throughout the universe, the stars, the moons, uh, the moons, this earth, life on this earth, all of the order that he put in place on this earth to sustain life and protect it, then he comes to mankind. He's already created all the life, the animals, the fishes of the sea, the birds in the air, and so on. And then in verse 26, God said, let, let us make man in our image. Now, in our image doesn't mean we're going to look like God physically, because God is spirit, and we're physical. But in God's image, God is spirit. God instilled within mankind a soul, a spirit being. And so in that sense, we're created in God's image. We can understand the very, the very concept of good versus evil and righteousness versus unrighteousness. We understand that. Nothing else that is alive understands that. Now, we can train some animals to respond in certain ways according to some, some stimulus, but they don't understand the actual concept of good and evil. They might understand, if I do this particular trick, I'm going to get rewarded with a treat. Or if I, as a dog, pee on the carpet, I'm going to get swatted. And so they know, do this, don't do that. But they don't understand good from evil. They don't understand right from wrong, righteousness from unrighteousness. But God created man in his own image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Now, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1, we read it again that we were created by God. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, God made him in the likeness of God. And then we look in Genesis chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. And let's turn over there and, and read that particular text as well, stating the same thing, identifying God to be the cause, the creator, and mankind to be the effect, the created life on this earth. Genesis chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And we read, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly on, in the earth, and multiply in it. Again, God created man. We look at Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalm, Psalm 8, and I want to read verses 3 through 9. And here the psalmist writes along this line, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, speaking of God as being the creator, the cause, 
the creation, the heavens, the earth, everything therein being the effect, the created. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you made him a little, did you get that? You, that is God, made him man, a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. God being the creator. And so there it is again. Now, you could also read on your own Psalm 104, and it goes into a great deal of detail, identifying God as the creator and including the creation of life on this earth and and specifically mankind. Well, but you see, you take God out of the picture. How do you explain life? How do you explain human life? Now, the evolutionist who does not believe in God and refuses to acknowledge God as being the creator, the cause, and life being the effect, the created, they try to explain life on this earth again in, in, in just as much absurdity as the Big Bang tries to explain the existence of the universe. They say, basically, something came from nothing. Now, not exactly that, but they'll say that life came from non-life, inanimate matter, maybe chemicals, something. And then all of a sudden, something, all of a sudden, something happened and life came into existence where there was no life. Again, scientifically, science is the discipline of proving or disproving some supposition or hypothesis or theory through laboratory experimentation. We have tried. Science has tried, spent untold amounts of money in sophisticated labs for great many years trying to produce life from non-life. Does not work, ever. Now, you go back to Genesis chapter 1, and you look at all of those different life forms that God created, and they produced after their kind. We know, scientifically, it's a fact. Life comes only from life. So you take God out of the picture, there's no cause that you can rationally come up with And you say, well, something happened way back there in the beginning of time before there was life and, you know, something something got zapped, a chemical reaction. That doesn't work. We've tried to reproduce it. Doesn't work. Never works. Never will work because life only comes from life. And so you take God out of the picture as the cause, you're at a loss because the scientific law of cause and effect says there has to be a cause for every effect. Life is the effect. There has to be a cause that brought life about. That's God, and that's the only rational, and that is the only scientific 
ultimate conclusion as to the cause for the effect, which is life. Now, let's, let's get a little bit more in depth. And you might say, well, you, you've talked about the creation. If you've talked about life, that, that's pretty in-depth. It is. But let's think about some things that, that uh, many people probably would not think about as being absolutely essentially dependent upon God as the cause for their being the effect. What about love? Without God, there is no rational cause to effect the existence of love within mankind. Have you ever thought about that? Where does love come from? It comes from God. It's interesting. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and he says this not just once, but a couple of times at least. But in 1 John chapter 4, and we look at verses 7 through 9, we read this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. We're reminded of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so love is of God, John writes. In fact, he says more succinctly, God is love. And then in verse 16, he says it again. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now, how do you explain love within the conscience of mankind without God. The evolutionist comes up against a brick wall. Can't explain it. We could say, we could compare it to sentience, the, the understanding of, I, I, I realize my existence. That's sentience. I know I exist. I know I exist. I know I'm alive. How do you explain that without God? Again, the evolutionist hits a brick wall, can't explain it. It's unexplainable through a process, a supposed process of evolutionary development over eons of time, uh, does not work. Love, we understand love, we experience love, we love because of God. God is the cause, love is the effect. Now, go a little bit further. Without God, there is no cause to effect true goodness in the world. And we could say, this is connected to love. Love is good. Love is a wonderful blessing that we experience. But how do you explain, but how do you explain goodness without God? You can't explain love without God. You can't explain goodness without God. We look in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And I want us to read verses 16 and 17. And this is the account of a young man who was wealthy. And he comes to Jesus while he was on this earth as the Savior, the Messiah, teaching the gospel message of salvation. And so he comes to him in verse 16, and he says, Teacher, 
First, he says, good teacher. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so Jesus responds, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. In fact, the Jewish culture had a phrase of identity. The good was that phrase of identity. The good. And they understood that to apply only, only to God. And so Jesus asks the young man, why do you call me good? You've addressed me as good master or good teacher. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And so it's suggested that Jesus may have been using that a play on words and asking the young man, do you recognize me to truly be God the Son? the Son of God. But if you want to enter into life, he goes on and says, keep the commandments. Well, how do you explain goodness without God? I've talked about this many times in teaching and preaching over decades. You take God out of the picture, there is no goodness. But the scriptures point to God as being good over and over and over again. Psalm 34 and verse 8, Psalm 73 and verse 1. Psalm 100, verse 5. Psalm 135, verse 3. Psalm 145, verse 9. Jeremiah 33 and verse 11. Lamentations 3 and verse 25. Nahum 1 and verse 7. All make the direct statement, God is good. And then we could look at numerous other texts of Scripture that talk about the goodness of God in various other ways of expression. But you take God out of the picture, what's good? Well, it's, it's whatever somebody thinks is, well, okay, you might think something is good, and I might think that's evil. And we both would be equally just in making those assessments if there is no greater cause for true goodness. There has to be a bottom line. There has to be a standard for goodness, and that only can be God. If we just say whatever society decides is good, well, at one time, societies in countries all over the world thought slavery was good. But that has been shown to be wrong. It's no longer accepted to be that way. Or all kinds of other things that had been assessed at times as being good in the view of a culture or a society at large, but no longer are recognized as being good. You see, again, you have to have a basic standard of goodness, a cause. And the goodness, true goodness, is the effect. If you leave it up to mankind in general, you come up with everybody having their own opinion, and each opinion is equally just. And it changes with the wind. But God, being the standard, establishes the basic fundamental bottom line understanding of true goodness, true goodness. We'll look a a little bit deeper next time. Let's pray. Father, you are good and always good. Help us to look to you for true goodness. Please, Father, forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.